0: You're listening to audio from Valley Christian Fellowship. If you'd like to check out more resources or even connect with us, go to www.vcflongview.org. Well, I am so excited to be here tonight to sing with you and and then to come tonight and be here tonight after last night we had so many people at Valley serving, so many other people in the community, and then to gather tonight and to open up the Word of God, I want you to remain standing as I read for you our next few verses as we're nearing the end of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Tonight I'm going to read for you starting in verse 16. Listen to these simple instructions. Very simple instructions. Here's what it says. It says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. The simple instructions. We'll stop right there and have a seat. Now, tonight we're going to handle each of these phrases in turn, but if you noticed in your program, you notice the the title for tonight's message. It, it has maybe some language that we're not familiar with. The title for tonight's message. Our series is on track, and we've been learning how to live on track. At least the way this book of the Bible describes it. And, and so tonight's message is living on track. It's living Corumdale. You ever heard that word before? That phrase before? Now, I assure you, it's not another strain of the coronavirus, right? It's not something like that. Corum Deo, it's an old Latin phrase, and actually, very simply what it means is it means before the face of God. Live on track before the face of God. Now, think about that for a minute. You realize... That every moment of your life, there is not a single moment. There is not a single second. You don't take a single breath where your life is hidden from God's face. And this, can a, this can be a truth that, that presents all sorts of different reactions in us, can't it? I mean, sometimes we hear that, and some of us feels like God's always watching us. It's like the movie Monsters, Inc., and that famous line, I don't know if you heard it, because I've got kids, this line is ingrained in my mind. Meet Roz. You guys ever seen this? She's got this great line over and over again. One of the main characters, and his name is Mike, right? Mike Wazowski. And you know what she says over and over again? I'm always watching you, Mike Wazowski always watching. And it's kind of creepy, right? But that's how some of us think about God watching us. When someone stands up here and they says, "They say, live your life before the face of God, you start to get a little nervous. You start to squirm in your seat a little bit. You start to say, wait, wait, wait. I don't know if I want God seeing all of my life. This is a kind of idea that might lead us to be fearful instead of joyful it might lead us to hide instead of pursue god in prayer this is the kind of thing that that has all sorts of different responses let me ask you tonight as we as we just throw this phrase out there quorum nail before the face of god how do you feel about that fact how do you feel about this truth that the entirety of your life is lived before God's, before God's very face? Now, I, I don't want you to be filled with dread tonight. I actually think that according to the, the text that we just read, there is, there, there is not dread in this reality. There's actually joy in this reality. According to the text we just read, there is not reason to flee God. There's actually reason to draw near God. According to this reality, there's reason to be thankful and ultimately to understand His Spirit working in our lives. And so will you, if you haven't done so already, will you grab your Bible? Will you open it up or or, or turn it on? Will you land in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5? And will you pick up with me in verse 16? And what we're going to do tonight is we're just going to look through these four simple instructions, one at a time, and we're going to see how each of these instructions, it helps us understand how to live your life, Coram Deo. That's our big idea tonight. Tonight, I want to walk with you and I want to learn together how to live our lives, Coram Deo. So let's start with the very first idea here. The very first idea is, you live Deo, you live before God's face, and, and so and so because of that, you should rejoice constantly. You should rejoice all the time. You should be rejoicing constantly. Look at verse 16. two simple words. Here's what it says: Rejoice always. Rejoice always. This command here to rejoice. This is actually a command, not about an emotion, but it's actually a command about an attitude. Sometimes we think joy is an emotion, but but biblically speaking, joy is in not. It's not an emotion properly understood. Joy is actually an attitude. The best definition I ever heard is: joy is an attitude of delight. And so when you rejoice constantly, when you rejoice always, this is you saying, I am going to have an attitude, and it's an attitude where I am going to delight before the face of God. I'm going to delight Coram Deo. Now, some of us sitting here, we say, okay, Mike, you want me to be delightful, or you want me to have an attitude of delighting, but you realize what I just went through today? Some of you, you you come into a room like this, and this has been an incredibly difficult week. I know some of the challenges that some of us in this room experience. I know some of the difficulties. I know some of the relational tensions and some of the difficult situations. I know some of the the hardships that you experience. And so I know that you might not verbalize it, but in the back of your head, you're saying, Mike, you want me to rejoice? (laughs) Right. Why should you rejoice, though? What should cause you tonight sitting here, what should cause you to have an attitude of delight? I have a few things that just come straight to my mind. These, these are ideas that are rooted in the work we've already done walking through the book of First Thessalonians. Let me just remind you of a few of the, the main reasons that, that should cause you to obey this command, to obey this instruction, and to rejoice always. First of all, You rejoice because you're in Christ. You rejoice because you are in Christ. Paul, in his very beginning of this letter in chapter 1, as he's describing these believers, these Thessalonians, remember what he says to them in chapter 1, verse 4, he says this. He says, for we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. See, see, Paul, remember, Paul went and he met these people. He knows them. He's seen them face-to-face, just like you and I can see each other face-to-face right now. He, he listened to them profess their faith in Christ. He watched them go from saying, I, I am someone who is a God-feared Jew or, or even a Gentile, and he, when he explained to them the death and resurrection of Christ— He saw the Spirit of God work in their lives in such a way that he was certain that they were in Christ. Look at the terms he uses. He says, God has chosen you. He says, I'm I'm going to bring you near. I'm going to make you mine. He he says, they're beloved. He says, they're loved by God. This, This includes all of the great joy that we have. You have forgiveness If you're in Christ, you have been forgiven of all of your sin you've ever committed in the past. Any sin you've committed today, you're even forgiven of every sin in your future. All your sin has been wiped clean. Not only do you have forgiveness, you have a brand new identity. You're no longer, according to the scripture, a child that is a child of wrath. You're no longer an enemy of God. The scripture now describes you as a child of God. Jesus calls his disciples his friends. 2 Corinthians 5:17 says if you were in Christ you're a brand new creation. Now I mean each of these truths, listen church, each of these truths we can sit here and just talk about all night. I just want to give you just a few broad brush strokes to remind you that you should be rejoicing simply because you are in Christ. But, but We have to make a distinction here. This doesn't mean everyone rejoices. This means that those who are in Christ rejoice. You see, there there is one key distinction in Scripture that is abundantly clear over and over again. And and occasionally, we just stop and we labor over it a minute just, just to be so transparent. You're not in Christ because you come to church. You're not in Christ because you drive the speed limit you're not in Christ because you don't cheat on your taxes or cheat on your spouse. You're not in Christ because you're a good neighbor or a good employee. There is only one way to be in Christ. It's not by trying harder or being good enough. The one way is by trusting Trusting that Jesus is the perfect, sinless son of God, as the scriptures describe him, as we've described him over and over again. Trusting not only that Jesus is the perfect, sinless son of God, but trusting that Jesus came and in his perfect life, he was willing to die a criminal's death on the cross. You want to know what criminal? This criminal. And you. He died the death that you and I deserve on that cross because he was perfect. He was able to pay the price for all of our sins. He was buried, and on the third day, he was resurrected from the grave. And so the scripture teaches that anyone and everyone who believes in his death and rex- resurrection, you are now in Christ. This is why we rejoice. But let me ask you, are you in Christ? See, Mike, I've been baptized. Okay, I, I, that's great. But I've known a lot of people that have been baptized for the wrong reasons. Mike, I'm here every single week. That's awesome. I've seen people that have gone to church for decades before it actually clicked in their mind. They said, "You know what? I think I've been going through the motion my entire life, and I think today' is the day that I'm actually trusting him. Today's the day that I am now in Christ. Are you in Christ? Now, now if you are, rejoice always. Rejoice. Have an attitude of delight because you are in Christ. You have been made new. You have been forgiven. What else? I mean, we can go on. You rejoice, secondly, because you're heaven bound. This world is no longer your, your home. You are now a citizen of heaven. You have the glories of eternity in God waiting for you. And Paul, he, he touches on this numerous times in this, in this letter. Chapter 1, verse 10 talks about how we're waiting for the Son from heaven, who God raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. Chapter 4, verse 17, it ends with this. It says, so we will always be with the Lord. You realize this is your destination. You are heaven bound. Sometimes I'll say, you know what, today... Today you are one day closer to your death. And people are like, that's morbid. But you realize today you are one day closer to heaven. So what does this mean for you? It means rejoice always. You are in Christ. You're heaven bound. Let me give you one more reason. Let me give you one more reason. Rejoice because you are in the church. Rejoice because you're in the church. This is actually one of the great themes of Thessalonians. You know, over and over again, Paul talks about this idea of the church. But, but when we talk about the church, we're not talking about a church service. We're not talking about a building. We're, we're talking about the people of God. The people of God who are in Christ, the people of God who have a new identity, the people of God who have been forgiven and who are heaven-bound, we are talking about what is meant to be, hear me very well, we're talking about the people who are meant to be the most loving and caring and grace-filled people on the planet. We're meant to be the safest people to confess our sin to, we're meant to be the most caring people in times of struggle. We talked about some of that last week, and I'll tell you what, I actually saw some of it last night. Many of you in this room, you, you were here in one way or another last night, but but listen, the church is meant to be this, this people that serve side by side for the purposes of God. <laughs> if you weren't here last night, I wish you could have been. This parking lot, before we even opened it up for the trunk or treat, it was full of cars, And we had so much candy. And I saw church members helping each other set up and at the end helping each other tear down. I saw our sheepdog team who didn't come to hand out candy, but they came to make sure everyone was safe and they did a ton of extra work just making sure everything worked. And just before seven o'clock, I saw this side parking lot and out on the street begin to fill up and I saw a giant line of our community waiting to come through. And as all of these families and all of these little kids came through our parking lot, I saw this church family with smiles on their face. In fact, Andrew's theme last night, he said, we are going to show grace and we're going to be generous. Here's what he meant. He says, we're going to show grace because if, if people are rude or they're not acting the way they should, we're just going to love them. However they act. And I saw our church do that. And he said, and we're going to be generous, and so I want you to give out lots of candy. In fact, our church was so generous that about 45 minutes into it, we had so much candy, but but about 45 minutes into it, people were saying, hey, I'm getting a little thin on candy. (laughs) And you know, the moment I found out that we were having a problem with maybe not having enough candy, in that same moment, I saw someone jump into their truck, drive down to the store, and come back with literally a truckload of candy. (laughs) I went home last night rejoicing because I'm part of the church. You realize the church isn't a chore. It's not a service you have to go to. It is a community. It is the people of God in Christ serving side by side, loving the Lord, loving each other, and loving their community. Are you in the church? If so, rejoice. Rejoice. See, we live before the face of God. We live deo. And so for that reason we rejoice. But the text continues. The text continues. Not only do we live corumdeo, uh so we, we rejoice always. Secondly, you live deo, and so you pray ceaselessly. Look at verse 17. I mean, look at these. They're just like these jam-packed verses one after another. Rejoice always, verse 16. And then verse 17, it says this. Pray without ceasing. Don't stop praying. Pray at all times. Be constantly and continuously praying. This is the idea. And look, Paul has already served as an incredible example in this very letter of 1 Thessalonians. Back up to... Uh, chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, the very beginning. How does Paul describe his prayer life? He says, we, Paul and Timothy and Silas, we give thanks to God, look at these words, always, for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering you before our God and Father, your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. You get the tone of how he prays? always constantly this is his prayer life look at chapter 2 verse 13 he says and we also thank god constantly for this this is paul's prayer life when paul says pray without ceasing he's not saying do what i say not what i do you know what he's doing he's just describing his spirituality he is someone who rejoices always. And so he says, Hey, rejoice always. He is someone who is praying constantly. And so he says, Hey, pray all the time. Pray all the time. And so he says, Pray without ceasing. Now we read this and we say, Okay, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. He says, Okay, wait, wait, wait. I have a couple questions then. When do I eat? <laughs> when do I sleep? What if i got to go to work? What what does it mean to pray without ceasing? And I think here is where we can make some more helpful distinctions. We we can make distinctions in the different kinds of prayer that, that we participate in. See, some prayer is what Jesus talked about, which is like private prayer private prayer jesus describes it as when you are in the secret place when you go and you close your door behind you and no one else not one living soul besides god the father sees what you're doing jesus says this matthew chapter 6 verse 6 he says when you pray go into your room shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who is in secret will reward you See, Jesus here, he's pushing against the religious leaders who, when they prayed, their prayer was all about everyone seeing the way they prayed. In Jesus' day, there were religious leaders, and they liked to stand on the street corners and use all of the eloquent words and make it so that they looked all spiritual, and oftentimes everyone else felt like they, they couldn't even pray because you know, they didn't have the right words. Jesus says, no, 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 that's not prayer. When you pray, go into private prayer. And then he trains his disciples, verses 9 through 13. He says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Again, this is another... Text of scripture that we can just sit here all night. In fact, in 2020, we, uh, 2019, we went through the entirety of this text. And we just pulled out the amazing truths about what we learn about God. We, we learn that God is the Father, we learn that He is the King, He has a kingdom we learn that he is the provider when we pray give us our daily bread we learn that he is the one that brings salvation right he says forgive us of our debts he he is even the one who protects us from spiritual warfare in the in the evil of this world you we can sit here all night but but this is one way we pray we go and we sit with our father in secret but but that's not the only way to pray the second kind of prayer isn't necessarily private prayer. It's what I'll call for us tonight persistent prayer. It's praying throughout your day. It's recognizing this. It's recognizing this. You are always before the face of God, you live coram deo. And so at any moment and at every moment, you can simply talk to the Father, you can tell him whatever's on your mind. You don't even have to verbalize it. You can just, in your thought life, be speaking to him, be communicating with him, be talking to him, be telling him whatever you're going through. This is a, this is a worshipful approach to living your life moment by moment, recognizing God is with you. Now, Ephesians 6, 18, it, it's a similar passage to this. It says this, it says, praying at all times in the spirit, with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for the saints. This is very simply, this is just living your life prayerfully. Let me let me give you a handle on this. Prayer is a giant topic. It's hard to have a one point on prayer in a bigger message. But let me just give you a few ways to think about this every moment kind of prayer life, this, this persistent prayer life, this, this life where you pray without ceasing. One of the simplest ways to think about it is just to, to recognize there's always something you can be praying about. How I learned this when I first came to faith is just with this, the simple word acts. You've probably seen this before. I put it in your notes. I'm not going to spend a lot of time with it, but this is one of the ways where I, how I pray without ceasing. The A stands for A door. There's times in my life throughout my day where I'll just stop and I'll just, I'll just honor God. I'll think, God, thank you for your faithfulness. If you pray with me, usually one of the first things I say is, God, thank you that you are so good and so that you're, you're so faithful. It's recognizing how God is God and just being amazed with him. You know, one of the easiest ways you can do that is just say, God, wow. <laughs> Look at that sunset, Wow. Look at you, saved me. Wow. And it's adoring him for his goodness in your life. That's what A stands for. You can do it any moment, you can be doing it right now. God, wow. And the C is simply confession. Here's what it looks like in my life. When, when I find that I say something, like if I, if I say something harsh to one of my kids, right, usually I'll go end up talking to them. But you know what I'll do? I'll say, God, in that moment, I'll say, God, I'm sorry I did that. I'm sorry I was so short with them. If I find that I have an attitude that is, that is kind of rude or kind of arrogant, it just in the quietness of my heart, right, right in my mind, I'll just, God, I know that's not honoring to you. I'm sorry. Just right there in that moment, I'll confess it, and I'll move on. And then the T. The T is just to be thankful. It, it's recognizing God's goodness, but, but it's actually just saying thanks. We're, we're going to talk about this in just a moment in further length. And then finally, the S, it's kind of a a word we don't use a lot, but it's supplicate. Simply put, it means to ask. It's asking God for your needs. And this is usually me. Moments before I come up to preach, I'm just saying, God, help. God, use your word. God, allow these people to see a little bit of your glory through whatever I have to present. God, do what you can do and what I cannot do. God, move. Oftentimes it's, it's pleading and it's begging. You can do this throughout your day. You have a tough conversation at work. God, will you help me have wise words here? You're, you're feeling anxious or stressed. God, will you calm my spirit? Would you give me confidence in you? This is just praying without ceasing. This is what Paul is talking about here. Living your life, Coram Deo, before the face of God. Listen. Just like church isn't meant to be a chore, prayer is never meant to be a chore. God's not timing your prayer to make sure you're praying enough. God's not like, oh, well, you didn't pray enough today. No, prayer is an invitation. Pray without ceasing is an invitation to come before him with every concern and every care and find that he's right there meeting whatever need you have. You get to live your life coram Deo, and so pray ceaselessly. Let's continue though. We rejoice consistently. We pray ceaselessly, and then you live coram Deo. So, so be thankful continuously. So, so be thankful all the time. Look at verse 18. Again, very simple text, right? Here's what it says. It says, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Thankfulness and rejoicing go hand in hand. Thankfulness and prayer go hand in hand. This is like, it's like a package together. It's like This is just how you live. You're thankful because you're praying to God, recognizing his goodness, and you're rejoicing. You have an attitude of delight because of who God is and what he's done for you see you're thankful and according to this you're thankful for look at the text in all circumstances you're thankful in all circumstances let me just remind you how to thank God for a moment first of all remember to thank God for the good in life you ever found you've experienced something great in life and you haven't stopped to recognize that it comes from God's hand you ever had a good moment, a good day, a good day at school, a good day at work, a good day doing whatever it is you do with your day, and you're like, man, today's a great day. And you're like, wait, why was it a great day? Is it because of how awesome I am? Usually in the, those moments, you stop and you say, wait, today's a great day because, because of God's kindness toward me. In fact, not being thankful, especially for God's goodness, is one of the greatest sins you can commit. Romans chapter 1, verse 21 describes it like this. It describes mankind and the wrath of God being poured out upon mankind. And here's what it says. Here's why. It says, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they came to be futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And here's what we do. We, we, we recognize God's goodness. We, we know he's there, but, but so often we fail to give him thanks for his faithfulness and his goodness. We fail to give him thanks for the fact that the breath that I breathe right now, it's because Jesus sustains it. And so we end up, instead of being thankful, we end up with, with the wrong attitude, with, with an attitude maybe that's complaining all the time. Don't raise your hand. Who, who here complained about something today? I said, don't raise your hand. I don't want, I don't want to know. <laughs> you don't need to raise your hand. We all do. We, we get this, these moments where we start to complain. You want to know why? Because we're not being thankful. You know, you know what other attitude goes along with it is the attitude of entitlement. Oftentimes we complain because we feel like we're entitled to have whatever it is we want and so we end up kind of being a little bit grumpy or a little bit with a chip on our shoulder, or we look down on other people because we're entitled, and so we can complain. We can complain about our husband or our wife or our kids or our schoolmates or our coworkers. We complain about anything and everything under the sun. It, but the moment we stop and say, "What can I be thankful for?" It's the moment all that air gets let out of the balloon. <laughs> it's the moment we recognize how good God is. It, Kind of reminds me of my, my dog living before my face. You know, y- y- many of you have a dog. We've got a, a black lab in this lab. Labs just got like this sad face they do. You know what I mean? Like they just know how to perfectly give you the puppy dog eyes. And, and you know, every time we sit down for dinner, by the way, this dog, it's Jessica's dog more than anyone. She loves Jess more than anyone else in our house. And so here's what we do. We sit down at the table for a meal and Penny, our dog, she'll sit about three feet away because we, we don't let her get much closer to that, but she will just... Look at Jessica with these big old eyes, just stare at her and wait. And every once in a while, she, right? And, and here's what happens when I look at her. I'll just, I'll just, I'll just turn my head. I don't, I don't scowl at her. I don't point at her. I'll just turn my head at her. And the moment I look at her, her head goes down like this. I'll turn away and her head will go back up. I'll turn back over and I go right back down. And it's 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 actually a fun, fun thing. But but this is kind of how we live when we're not thankful. This is how we live before God's face when we're not thankful. I mean, don't blame a dog for begging. That's what dogs do. But you and I, God has given us more blessing than we can ever count. Have you ever tried? He's given us more good than we can, than we can make lists to, to tell stories of. And, and oftentimes what we end up doing is focusing on the one thing that he hasn't done that we want him to do. And so we live entitled or we live with complaints instead of living just saying, God, thank you. Remember to thank God for the good in your life. But this says to thank God for all circumstances. That means we don't just thank God for the good in our life. Secondly, listen, we we actually end up thanking God for the hard in our life. Don't raise your hand. Who's going through something hard? Most of us are. I look around and I, I, I know stories of things that we're experiencing in this very room. Look at what Romans 8 describes Romans 8, verse 17. It talks about suffering, it talks about suffering with Christ. It says, if we are children, you, you are a child of God, you have a new identity. If we are children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Look at what this is saying, you and I, we are going to inherit everything that Christ has in the eternal kingdom. We're gonna be co-heirs with Jesus, the perfect sinless Son of God, the King of Kings, the Lord of lords. This is the promise we have, but but then look at what it says after this provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Jesus says to pick up your cross. Following Jesus isn't about you being fulfilled and you having the greatest life ever and you having everything go easy and no difficulties whatsoever. Following Jesus is a call to suffer following jesus is a call to die to not live for self but to live for him and this is a path that inevitably leads to difficulty it leads to hardship and when we, when we find ourselves in those moments that are, are weighing down on our soul, when we find ourselves in those moments that it feels like life is caving in little by little, and we're, we're wondering if we can even continue to breathe, when we find ourselves in those moments when we're not sure if there's light at the end of the tunnel because things are so dark and so difficult, what do we do in those moments? According to this text, we give thanks in all circumstance. We give thanks always. Why would you give thanks in the dark moments of life? Why would you give thanks in the difficulties? Stay with me in Romans 8, just a little bit further, verse 28. Here's what it says describing believers. It says, And we know that God... For those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His, His purpose. Do you realize in the greatest difficulty you're experiencing, God is causing it to work for good? It might not be good how you define it. It might not lead to an incredibly healthy body or it might not lead to, to uh, no worries about finances. It might not lead to perfect and harmonious relationships in your family, but it will lead to good. Oftentimes that good ends up be the, being the character that his spirit produces in your life. One of the things we mentioned last week that seemed to catch the most traction in my conversations this past week is is that the difficult people in your life, God put them there for a reason (laughs) to grow your character. The difficulties in your life, the situations, you, you give thanks. Here's what it looks like God, I really need help in this situation. I don't know what to do. I don't know which way's up. I'm confused. I'm hurt. I'm scared. I don't know what my next step is. Help. But I also want to thank you because I know you're faithful even in this difficulty. I know you're faithful to use this moment, this circumstance, this hardship. You are using it for my good remember to give thanks for the good remember to give thanks for the hard i know this isn't in your notes but also remember simply put this is god's will that's what the text says look at verse 18 it says for this is the will of god in christ jesus for you you might not know if god's will is for you to take a new job or not You might not know if God's will is for you to get married or not. You might not know if God's will is for you to have another kid or not. All of these things, they can be giant question marks, but you know with with a guarantee God's will is that you are grateful in every single circumstance you face. Why? Because you live Corumdale before the very face of God. You're able to go right to him in prayer. You're able to foster this attitude of delight because of who he is and what he's done. But, but, but let's, let's handle one more instruction here. One more instruction, which is you live quorum deo, and so finally, submit continually. Submit continually. Now, there's debate on whether this, this phrase right here, whether it goes with the next few verses or with, whether it goes with these verses. But as I work through the text, I landed on the spot that I think it can go either way, but it makes the most sense here because it's actually talking about relationally how you approach God. The next few verses we're going to look at is how you approach God's word and stay on track with God's word. We'll handle that next week, Lord willing. But, but for this, 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 is, this has to do with your relationship with God. I I use the term submit continually, but look at what the text says. Verse 19 says, Do not quench the Spirit. Do not quench the Spirit. You see, here's why I think this has to do with our relationship with God because the Holy Spirit that dwells in believers, the Holy Spirit intends to have continual influence on your life. And the Holy Spirit, when He comes, He comes permanently for believers he dwells in you if you believe you have been sealed with the spirit of god he lives in you right now in this very moment and he lives with you every moment of every day not only do you live quorum Deo before the face of god but you live with the spirit dwelling inside of you and so paul gives these instructions he says don't quench the spirit quench it's a weird word to quench the spirit is to damper the intended impact the spirit has. The idea of quenching is let's say you have a, a small fire and you, you you put a wet rag on it and it just kind of sizzles out the picture here then is the spirit of god is is meant to be passionately moving you to live your life according to the purposes of god the, the idea here is that you are submitting to god's spirit moment by moment as he leads you throughout your life and so it happens in big ways where you say i think i think god's spirit wants me to go talk to this person about jesus and so you go and do that it leads you in small ways where you just gently serve your husband or wife or care for your kids it leads you in this moment As you're listening to the word preached, the Spirit of God has promised to guide believers in all truth. The Spirit of God is to be actively working in your life at all times. And you are meant to be responding to it. You're meant to be sensitive to it. You're meant to have this posture that says, I, I want to do whatever it is the Spirit of God leads me to. And so you have these moments where you have an, an inkling or, or uh, you, you have this sense that you're supposed to do something. And because it aligns with Scripture, because God's Spirit will always lead you in line with His Word, because it aligns with Scripture, you say, okay, I'm going to do this. But you ever had those moments when God's Spirit's telling you, I should go talk to this person. You're like, I don't want to talk to that person. <laughs> I want to... I want to stay comfortable in my own little bubble, and I, I don't want to do anything risky. What if, what if they don't like me, or what if they don't want to hear it, or what if, what if we get into an argument? Maybe it's just easier if I just go somewhere else, right? Like, you know what you do in that moment? You quench the Spirit. See, it's when you're not rejoicing that you quench the Spirit. It's when you're not praying that you quench the Spirit. It's when you're not thankful that you quench the Spirit. It's when you're not living the life that God's called you to, recognizing that you live before the face of God at all times. That's, that's when you quench the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 puts it a similar way. It says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. See, we have to remember the Spirit of God's a person. The Spirit of God isn't this this cosmic force that's impersonal. The Scripture talks about the Spirit of God in similar ways. The Scripture talks about God the Son and God the Father. The Spirit of God is a person who, spiritually speaking, lives inside of you and is meant to be leading you. And you're meant to submit to it. And when you don't, you know what you do? You grieve the Spirit. Parents in the room, you know what it's like to be grieved. When your kid does something that you've told them a hundred times not to do, what do you feel in that moment? It grieves you. Do you not love them? Of course, you still love them. Are, are, you're like oh, I'm done with you? No, no. Of course, you're not done with them. But but in that moment, you you know what's right for them, and you're you're grieved. It says, do not quench the spirit. Do not grieve the spirit. Instead. Instead, submit to the Spirit for full impact. Galatians 5.16 puts it this way, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit is to live in line with what the Scripture teaches and what the Spirit prompts. Let me say it again. Walking by the Spirit is to live in line with what the Scripture teaches and what the Spirit prompts. So, when you're walking through life and you say, oh, I think I should go uh, you know, set that car on fire. That, that's not the Spirit. Because <laughs> it doesn't line with the Scripture. <laughs> but, but if you're walking through life and you see someone in need, and, and, and inside you just have this, this prompting that says, I should go help this person. You know what that is? That's the Spirit. Don't, don't quench it. Don't grieve it. Submit to it. Walk in it live in it. You see, you live your life before the very face of God. You live your life Coramdale. You want to know what it's really like? It's not like Roz from Monsters, Inc., where she's like, I'm always watching. I think it's much more like this. This last week, my wife sent me a video. She took a photo. Asher was upstairs playing his ukulele in his door jam. I think we've got a photo up here, maybe. She totally spied on him. I don't think he knew it all. She was right there. You know what he was? He, he was playing Jingle Bells on his ukulele, getting ready for Christmas. The video she sent was awesome. I just and she's just she's just homeschool mom doing a hundred things at once, but always watching, always watching, and she sees these moments, these these wonderful moments when a kid does something exactly what they're supposed to. They're walking in line with their instructions. Yes, more than that, though, they're walking in line with the life they're called to live. They're living quorum mom. (laughs) But you live quorum dale. Every moment, God's right there with you. Every moment, you live before his face. You know what that means for you? That, that, That means that God's not like this. It means he's like this. And here's what he says. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstance. And submit to my spirit. Don't grieve my spirit that I've placed inside of you. Will you accept the invitation? Will you accept the invitation for all of your life to live? Corumdale? Heavenly Father. Oh, what an amazing God you are. What an incredible gift that we have knowing that we always live before you. Thank you for for those in this room who are in Christ. God, I pray that the... I pray this text will have a, an incredible impact on each of their lives. I pray that it would it would release them from guilt and from shame. I pray that it would... It would release them from anxiousness and worry and dread. Instead, that they would feel the good pleasure of our, the good Father smiling over their life. God, I pray that we would remember that, that our lives are in Christ and so that you, you see the perfect, the perfect life of Christ when you look at us. And God, I pray that that would lead every one of us to, to live this life what we've described tonight. Fostering an attitude of delight all the time. Praying without ceasing. Giving thanks in the good and in the hard. And Father, help us not never to quench the spirit. Help us to be so sensitive to live according to your, your spirit. And God, I pray for those in this room who maybe have yet to trust you. I pray for those who are—they know they're undecided. And Lord, I pray, honestly, I pray if there's anyone here that maybe they think they've been in Christ, but they really haven't. They've been trying to be a good person, but they're not in grace. They're still living in their guilt. I pray that tonight would be the night that you would reveal your great love to them, that you would show them the forgiveness in Christ, that they would trust in his death and resurrection, that their sins would be washed away and their life would be made new. And we pray that they too would be able to share in this life that is Corumdale. dale. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.